definitely thankful for another opportunity just to, to be here. Uh, another opportunity to hear God's word. Uh, still trying to recover from Turkey. And, and I, I probably ate too much. Uh, but it's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think I did. I think I did. Um, but it's, it's just great to have those times where you have family around you and you get a chance just to eat and fellowship and laugh and play games and watch football and all of those things that you just like to do. And maybe a little shopping and spending money that you probably shouldn't, you know, going out to the, going out to the stores. But um, God is good because he gives us those seasons um, to be able to enjoy that and relax. Um, one of the perks of being a teacher is having this last week off. So, uh, can't say it's a whole lot of perks, but that's one. That's one of the perks right there. Uh, so, yeah. and then your your head starts to hurt on Sunday when you think about Monday. You know, <laughs> right? So don't think about it yet. Um, but God is good. Um, we've concluded a um, last month. We spent some time. Um, just looking at thankfulness uh, from different perspectives um, because honestly God wants us to be thankful in all seasons as the scripture says and I know sometimes that's hard when life throws different curveballs at you um, and you're faced with obstacles and challenges and sometimes you just don't you're just not in the mood um, hopefully this past week um, as you spend time with family that you really took time to think about what God has done for us all um, because I know that when I, when I look back at some of the things that I've experienced in my life and some places that um, God has pulled me out of um, and allowed me to go um, through, I'm, I'm definitely thankful uh, for that. Um, and I can share story after story of God's goodness and mercy um, that he bestowed on me in times when I didn't even recognize it was him. And then you have those moments when you look back, you know, like seven years ago and say, that was God right there. Because if it wasn't for that moment, I wouldn't be here today. He just, you just see how he orchestrated your path and your plans. Um, and, it, and it's a reminder that we always want God to do that, just to lead us and guide us. As Proverbs says, the steps of a, a good man are ordered by the Lord. And so I want to be a good man so that God continue to guide me along the way um, and avoid those uh, bumps. I'd like us to transition to um, preparation um, for the Messiah. Um, as we move into uh, Christmas time and begin to think about the birth of Christ, um, I'd like us to transition. Um, and then what I'd like to do um, from this month uh, going forward is really start to move um, and teach within the Gospels, uh, which is a, a passion uh, of mine um, because I honestly believe that if we are called to be Christians, we must know the life of Christ. I don't know another way that we can. Um, and, and I feel that many times um, preachers or pastors or ministers teach doctrines almost separate from teaching Christ. Like Christ like, had a, gave us an example, a pattern of how we ought to live. But I found that many believers don't really know the story of Christ. Don't really know his experiences, some things that he went through, how he responded to adversity, how he dealt with challenges, how he loved people, how he treated people, how he spoke. Those are the things that we need if we're going to emulate his life and be Christians. Uh, and so um, with that being said, I'd like us to prepare our hearts and minds for the preparation or the beginning of his 
incarnation. And so today I'm going to ask that you turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Starting at the 26th verse. I'm going to read through verse 38, um, if you could follow along with me, and then we'll take some time to really examine what God is calling for us to take from the passage today. As I read it, I, I, I want you to do a couple of things. One, make sure that as we talked about in the past, that if there's anything that's on your heart or on your mind that could block you from really hearing what God has for you today, that you do your best to remove it. Um, Two, that as you listen or read along with me um, with this very familiar passage, that you don't approach it as a familiar passage. You know, sometimes when we read scripture, say, oh, I know that scripture. You know, and so we almost like limit God and what he could do. I tell you, it's those scriptures that I've heard hundreds of times that I'm amazed when I have a newfound like revelation with that scripture. Um, I remember one that was drilled into me at a very young age was Proverbs 22.6, train up a child and the way he should go. When he was old, he would not depart from it. And as I've grown older and have big kids and <laughs> grown, grown up kids and those old kids, I, I hear that passage over and over in my head. You know, that's what I'm called to do. And, uh, and so, if I limit myself and say, well, I already know what that scripture says, then I, I really limit the power of its work even for the next generation. So um, as I read this very familiar passage, I'm going to ask that you follow along with me. I'm reading from the King James Version. Your version might word um, differently, but as I was looking at the different translations of this passage, King James Version is, will suit us best because of some of the wording, which I'll, I'll go over here in a second. But verse 26 says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou, art, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom, and there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she had also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her 
whom was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I, um, I love this passage um, for many reasons. And again, we're approaching this scripture to help us prepare for the revelation of what we know or what we have heard, and that's the birth of Jesus Christ. In this passage of scripture, there are many references. I do my best to point out as many of them as I can. There's many references, but in this passage also is a great example of how we are to receive instruction from the Lord. How we are to receive instruction from the Lord. So in verse 26, it says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So we have the sixth month. And then at the end of the verses, in verse 36, we know that this sixth month is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth is Mary's cousin on the mama's side. Right. You know, you have your mama's side cousin, you have your daddy's side cousin. Um, this is a cousin on the mama's side, all right? Um, her mom was a Levite. Dad was from the tribe of, Joseph was from the tribe of Judah. So you have the Levite and you have Judah. You have it there. Um, if you remember that story, which is at the beginning of Luke chapter 1, we remember that Gabriel came to Zacharias and promised or presented that they would have a son, John the Baptist. I love the story of John the Baptist, but I don't have time to go through John the Baptist today, unfortunately. Um, but you're going to see some similarities, but you'll also see some contrast. So this is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Gabriel was sent to Zacharias, and then Gabriel was working hard this day, or this time period, and then he had to come to Mary and deliver a message as well. The only time we really see Gabriel's name mentioned in the Bible is one more time in Scripture. And that's in Daniel. If you, if you study Daniel, I know some in here have studied Daniel. So about 500 years prior to this, Gabriel came to Daniel and he presents this, these weeks, these 70 weeks, this prophecy of what's going to happen from that time all the way through the end times. But he speaks in that prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. The coming of the Messiah. There is some things that you need to know about that Daniel passage in order to kind of understand this passage in addition to what I just said. Because when, if you remember the Daniel passage, Daniel described Gabriel having like a form of a man. It was a, it was a weird type of form that Gabriel took on when he presented himself to Daniel. So you might say, well, what does that have to do with anything that we're reading about today? Gabriel said the same thing then that he said to Zacharias, that he says to Mary. And he says, fear not. I imagine he had to say that because the way he presented himself to them was some, something to be afraid of. It was a scary sight. It's something that they didn't see normally. It's, like man-looking being, but you know it's not a man. It, it was just weird. Probably would have scared all of us, and we would just passed out. Um, and so he always has that 
connection with this message, fear not, which lets us know that there is some element of fear there within those that he presented himself to. So Gabriel is what is interesting also about Gabriel is it seems like he carries with him an element of judgment. Like he carries with him an element of judgment. If you think about what he revealed to Daniel, it was a warning. He reveals a message to Zechariah and then he strikes him because he did not believe or he had doubt. So he was mute if you remember the story. So he always has that element of judgment with him. But he presents himself to Mary here, and the story goes slightly um, different than it did with Zacharias. And so it says that he was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. It says he was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. If you remember back when he spoke to Zacharias, Zacharias has some doubts. He has some doubts. Now I'm setting this up because Mary won't present the same thing that Zacharias presented, even though it looks similar. Zacharias has some doubt. Now remember, Zacharias was a priest. Should have been very familiar with Old Testament scripture. And so when Gabriel presented it to him, he presented to him what he should have already known. Same thing Gabriel does to Mary. But he presents something to Zacharias that he should have already known. There will be a forerunner. That's the time that's taking place now. But Zachariah's response was a little different. And this is where we come into the picture because there will be instruction, revelation by God, something that God is telling us to do. Either we're gonna worry and doubt or we're gonna surrender to God's plan. Zachariah says, how shall I know this? Like I hear what you're saying about John the Baptist. How shall I know this? It almost sounded like he says, I know I'm a priest and I'm supposed to know this, but how shall I know this? <laughs> right? There's some things that we should know about the plan of God as it relates to scripture. So when we face with situations, we can accept it and surrender to it. We should not question God on some things that are clear in scripture. But he did. And then Gabriel responds in a unique way. He says, and this is verse 19, just going back a little bit in Luke 1. He says, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. When he presents himself to Mary, he doesn't say, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God. But he had to make clear to Zacharias that you, you will know what I'm saying is true because I am from God. This message is from, and in Old Testament, these revelations happened. An angel would appear and give the word. So he's saying, Zacharias, there's a lot that you should know that you haven't accepted. There's a lot of teaching and scripture that you should have known that you have not accepted. And then we see young Mary. I say young Mary because it's believed that she was maybe a teenage years. Could have been as early as, as 14. Could have been upwards 17. But she was a, a young girl. She lived in a they were in a place called Nazareth in Galilee. We're familiar with Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, many of Jesus' miracles, but Nazareth is this place that is nowhere in scripture. It's not in the Old Testament. You can't find it. 
It's not in the New Testament except references with Jesus. Jesus from Nazareth. Jesus from Nazareth. It was mentioned like seven times. Jesus from Nazareth. It was even placed above his head when he was crucified. Jesus from Nazareth. But prior to this, there was nothing from Nazareth. No story, no connection. That's why Nathaniel had a hard time when they said he was from Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Like That doesn't make sense. This is Nazareth. This is a place that may have been small as three to four hundred people. It was just that obscure. That is very important to the story that Jesus, when we talk about humble beginnings, Jesus came from Nazareth. That's where they are at the time that Gabriel appears. Verse 27 says, to a virgin, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So I'm reading this from the King James Version, really for verse 27 and 28. But 27 says that she was a virgin, and then at the end it says she was a virgin. <laughs> so it says it twice that she was a virgin. So he said, why, does, why is that important? Well, you all probably know, or many probably know, that there are many different teachings on Mary. I don't need to go through all of them, but there are many beliefs about Mary. Mary is worshipped in many cultures, society. Mary is lifted up. We lift up God. We lift up Jesus. Gabriel speaks about Mary's character, but he doesn't lift her up like many believe. He speaks of her character, which is a lifted up character because it's connected with God, but he doesn't lift her up. And his message is not about Mary, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. We lift ourselves, our people up when we minimize Jesus and maximize the, the human, the person. You really can't do both. If I'm lifting up Jesus, I can't be lifted up at the same time. I have to go low and Jesus has to be lifted up or exalted. Our tendency in today's society and in cultures is we lift people up. Someone that we idolize from a, a child or a, a minister or a leader or a speaker or whoever when the only person we should lift up is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus means he who saves. He's the only one that saved us. Not this person or this group of people. So, to make it clear, Mary was a virgin. Mary was one that, like she mentions later on, was one that had no sexual contact with the man. It says she was espoused. Your virgin might say she was betrothed. So, Jewish culture, many of the young Jewish girls may get married around 12 years old. As early as 12, they could. Um, so, that's why many say maybe she was 14 because she went through this 12, 13 years old. She started the betrothal process. It's a year-long time, and then they had this little wedding ceremony at the end. So many put her as early as 14 years old. We don't know for sure. We know that she was a, a young, unmarried woman, which is the translation of verse 27. The angel came unto her. It's interesting because he doesn't say, I am Gabriel, who stand in the presence of God. 
it's almost as if Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, knew the thinking of Zacharias and Mary. So it's almost, it almost sounds like I'm saying God knows the intents and the thoughts of our heart, which sounds like a lot of scripture, right? So when God reveals things to us, he reveals it to us in a way that only we can understand it. He knows our heart. So he speaks to our heart. He speaks to our thinking. He speaks to the doctrine or the word that we should have stored here. So he came to her and he says three things about Mary. In verse 28, he says that, he says, hell, or nice to meet y'all, good to see you. That, it's, it's a warm greeting. He says, hell, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Three things about Mary. She was highly favored. God was with her. And she was blessed among women. We understand the blessed among women because she had a unique role. She had a unique task. And that was to this virgin conception or this immaculate conception. But I want you to note the three things that's mentioned. She was highly favored, God was with her, she was blessed. What about that sounds different than each and every one of us in here who have accepted Jesus Christ as our savior? There's scripture after scripture after scripture that speaks to us being highly favored, God being with us, and being blessed, or being blessed among people. In order to understand this text and not take it out of context, we have to understand what's being presented. The word where it says highly favored is, is really only used in one other context, that actual Greek word, and it's Ephesians chapter one. I wanna read Ephesians chapter one, just a, a portion of it, just to kind of get the tone of what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus. This is Ephesians chapter one, I'm going to read verse 3 through 7. The word here where it says highly favored is the same word here used in verse 6, Ephesians 1 and 6, that says beloved. But I want to read 3 through 7 so we understand the context. And this is Paul speaking to believers, you and I. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us unto the adoption of children by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Every verse in there speaks of what God has bestowed on us. His riches that were freely given to us, to you and to I. So when it talks about Mary being highly favored, 
it's because she had received the grace that God had given her. That's it. It's because she had received the grace that God had freely bestowed on her because of her relationship and belief in the promise of Jesus Christ. That's you and I. That, that's you and I. So he mentioned these things. What was interesting is Mary could have responded one of two ways. She responded the way we should respond. But she could have responded differently. Verse 29 says, and when she saw him and was troubled, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. It says that she was troubled. Your verse might say perplexed. That's a common uh, translation word there, perplexed. She could have said, you're right. You're right, Gabriel. It's about time someone recognized that I am highly favored because I'm living a certain way, right? You probably know a Christian or a believer that responds like that. They feel like they are due the recognition from God for walking a certain way or living a certain way. That's very arrogant if you think about it. <laughs> like, that's beyond arrogant if you think about it because there's nothing that we've received that hadn't come from the hand of God. So even saying that, you have to understand that apart from the hand of God, we wouldn't have anything. So it's mighty arrogant for someone to walk around like, yeah, that's right, I am highly favored, look at me. This is how cultures have lifted up Mary, but this is not how Mary responded to God. She was troubled, perplexed. Now that's an humble way of responding to the point where she didn't even feel like she should have received the compliments, if you want to say that, from God, or the recognition from God. That, that verse right there floored me when I really took time to think about it. Because here is an angel, here is Gabriel saying to her, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among, men, among women. It's almost like she said to herself, I know you're not talking about me <laughs> because <laughs> everything I have has come from God. She recognized some things early on in this conversation, I believe. First, she recognized that if God is sending an angel to speak to me, it must be for a reason. It must be for a purpose which is bigger than how I feel about myself. It must be for a reason and it must be for a purpose. Little young Mary had a lot of doctrine stored here. She had a lot of God's words stored here. She probably knew that if an angel was coming to speak to her, it probably was for one or two reasons. <laughs> Either for to reward her in some kind of way, bless her in some kind of way, or to cast judgment on her for some type of thing, right? That wasn't necessarily the case here. The angel said to her, fear not, because she looked at Gabriel and he had this appearance. Said, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. For thou hast found favor with God. Don't we want to find favor <laughs> with God? To be able to say,
In this situation, God has favored me. I was thinking about some of the, the lessons that we previously had where we, we looked at believers who went through certain situations and circumstances and God had favor on them. He used them for a bigger reason than what they saw. I'm sure Mary was familiar with Isaiah 7 and 14, right? The passage that says, and I'm going to read it verbatim. It says, Therefore the Lord himself, this is Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. God is with each and every one of us. See, what was happening physically with Mary has happened spiritually with us. Mary physically carried Jesus. And I'm going to say she physically carried Jesus, and I'm not going to say she physically carried God. Because there's some, there's some teachings out there that, that say that she was the mother of God, right? But how do you say, instead of saying she was the mother of the humanity of God, right? Or, or Jesus, or the Messiah. Because how do you say that a human is the mother of God, but also say that God existed eternally? Now there's something, there's a contrast right there. We, we can't say both. Okay, so we have to understand that she was the mother of the incarnation. Mother of Jesus. That's why all through scripture she's referred to as Jesus' mother. Not God's mother. Jesus' mother. Because that is God in the flesh. That is the humanity. That is the Messiah. God with us. So she had, there was a physical demonstration of a spiritual thing that's going on today. So it says here, I'll go back to. It says, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, or he who saves. See, in the Isaiah passage, it says this should be a sign. Even the prophecy had, 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 was, had twofold meanings. It was a prophecy of what was to come, but it also was something that was going on then. So there was some judgment that was going on then for the, the children of of Israel who refuse to believe and accept God's plan. This is gonna be a sign. God will deliver you from your sins. There is one that will come. <clears throat> Mary probably also was familiar with the Genesis passage that said that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. And so every Jewish woman believed that they could be the one. <laughs> they could be the one. Eve believed that. That's why she named Cain this is the one. This is the, the child. This is the man from God. She believed that he, was, he would be the one that would fulfill the scripture. You know, that wasn't the case <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, actually, the opposite. So they were waiting for this time. I'm familiar with that as well. So he says, <clears throat> And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. Unlike what he said to Zacharias about John the Baptist, he said, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. Here he says, he shall be great. 
period. <laughs> he shall be great. Because this is God. Not in the sight of God, this is God. This would be the one. It says, he shall be great. Shall be called the son of the highest. That same word is used in the Old Testament for most high God. This is God's way of saving his people. Is what he's telling Mary. This is God's way of saving his people. It says, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. You go back to 2 Samuel, and I referred to it in a previous lesson, 2 Samuel chapter 7, where it talks about this everlasting kingdom through the lineage of David. He's speaking of that now. So he's speaking to Mary in ways that he knows Mary understands. He's referring to a lot of scripture references because he knows Mary would say, yeah, that's, that's what I read. Yes, that's what I read. That's what I've read. That's what I've read. That's what the Holy Spirit does to us. That's the convicting work of the Holy Spirit to bring back to our remembrance the things which we've been taught and have studied. If you're going through situations and circumstances and scriptures aren't coming up, we got an issue. There's a problem right there. Because when we face a situation, something should come up about God's word. One or two things is either happening, and it may be a combination. One, either you're walking contrary to the will of God, carrying around unconfessed sins, kind of living our own lifestyle. Therefore, the Holy Spirit can't communicate because there's a barrier. Or we just may not know enough scripture. That's why the first thing that we should do when we, if we have the privilege of leading someone to Christ or our children is push growth quickly because the enemy will attack quickly. He's not waiting till they mature to attack them. No, it's gonna be immediate. So without enough scripture, we don't really have what we need to fight. So we have to take in scripture often. Uh, I will say this, if we are just listening to God's word this one hour, we really are failing the test that we're facing. You, you should be, you should probably have a Bible app on your phone, <laughs> right? Or you should be reading every day, having devotion. Otherwise, we're no match for Satan if we're waiting on one, once a week. And I'm just speaking from experience. I'm, I can't hang <laughs> if I don't have it daily, twice a day. I, I, I just... My mind wanders. I start thinking about things I shouldn't. Temptations start to set in. Maybe this is just me, <laughs> okay? But I know that the warfare is real. And I know that he, in, in the position that I am in, and you think about the positions you're in with your family or, or in the community, Satan wants me. <laughs> he, wants to, he wants to destroy me. Anyone in leadership or anyone that's over their family, parent, that's Satan attacks heads. That's what he wants. That's a scary thought, but if you look through scripture, it's all the way there. It's all the way. So he gives this to Mary, and I'll conclude with the last few verses, and it says, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So he's continuing to speak of this Davidic covenant, even reflection to the covenant before. Then Mary said unto him, unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She again emphasizes, I am a virgin. 
Many take this and compare it with the Zacharias when he says, how shall I know this? Zacharias spoke of doubt. Mary spoke of confusion. Like, I know, <laughs> I may not know a lot. I'm still young, right? But I know that in order for, you're speaking of immediate, this immediate thing that's about to happen. How? That don't make sense. How? That's not her questioning or doubting. That's her not understanding how some things work with the body. So she doesn't, she's not mute. <laughs> Gabriel doesn't say, all right, you don't believe either. You can't speak for a period of time. Instead, he says, the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. It's interesting because throughout this whole thing, it's, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the Holy Ghost. This work of the Holy Spirit. That same enabling power then resides in each and every one of us today. He says, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. That same word here for overshadow is the word we saw, or we've, if you're familiar with it, when the, the cloud covered the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 40. That word overshadow means to cover up. That means the, the glory, the presence, and power of God takes possession of something. That's what was happening here. Interesting thing about that, the Holy Spirit, if you believe that God resides within you, hopefully you believe that, I have the Holy Spirit indwelling me, then you have this same experience. You have the power of God indwelling you. So he says, therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. He says, shall be called the Son of God. Mary, don't, don't get caught up into holding on to this baby to where you think that this is really about you. Because <laughs> there's a bigger thing going on here. I imagine it had to be hard for Mary to stand at the cross and watch Jesus go through that agony and pain. We know she was there and we know Jesus loved her because he told John, see after, see after Mary. But I know it had to be hard when she recognized that she left Jesus <laughs> back in the temple or the synagogue after they'd taken that day journey when Jesus was a child, which we'll study later. But even with those, she's understanding that he has a bigger purpose. There's a bigger reason than just to, to, to rock, to sleep at night and tell stories. He's here for a reason. He's the son of the highest. He is the one that God is calling to save. And he says, and further on, just to, just to verify what I'm saying, he says in verse 36, and behold, thy cousin Elizabeth conceived in her son, conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Verse 37 is a memory verse. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. That's, that's a response that we should have no matter what. Whether we're looking at a, a sick family member, whether we're in a situation we don't feel we can get out of, whether we're having some challenges at school, at work, 
in our families, with our spouse, with our children, whatever the case is, we have to remember this verse that says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. James says that we ought to pray and believe and not doubt. We pray and believe and not doubt. If we doubt, we can't expect God to do anything for us. It says pray and don't doubt. Because for with God, nothing shall be impossible. I have seen some things in my life that didn't make sense to me at the time. And <laughs> I can remember looking. You know how you, you're in a situation where you think to yourself, you already kind of predict what's going to happen. Right? Because you've seen some things and, and we limit God like that. I've seen some things happen in my life. I'm like, man, that's God right there. Like, like I know it. I know what, I, what should have happened, is what we say. I know what should have happened, but God just made a way. I didn't see a way. He just made a way. Verse 38 is where I close. Mary responds perfectly. Even though the scripture doesn't describe her here as walking perfect and blameless and just like he may describe Job or some of the others, she says, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. You, you really have to stop right there. You have to take this scripture and break it into two parts. Because she says two different things. She says, behold the handmaid of the Lord. In some Old Testament translations, it's the same word used for virgin. <laughs> that's one. Um, but this is someone that's bound. This handmaid is someone that's bound to the master. We know that the outside story, that she was espoused to Joseph, we know the culture, if she would have came to Joseph and said, I'm pregnant, this would have been bad. We, we know the outside story, but what's interesting about what I just read this morning is she never mentions it. It's like it's never a thought oh, this is going to be bad when I tell Joseph this, or I wonder what the people are going to say about me, or I wonder how people are going to view me. That was never a thought. It was kind of a thought with Joseph, right? But it wasn't a thought with Mary. She never said, but what's, what, what do I tell? It's almost like she surrendered totally to what God had said through Gabriel, without question. I'm not there yet, okay? But this is where we should aspire to be. She just says, behold the handmaid of the Lord. I am in a binding agreement with you. That's all I see is you. Then she says, be it unto me according to thy word. Hey, I'm here. Use me for however you want to. This was young Mary. <laughs> this was young Mary with a lot of teaching. This is young Mary full of what God had bestowed to her. So full of grace, like we say, hell Mary full of grace. She had received willingly what God had provided for her. So she says, do with me whatever you will. I'm yours. I'm here for you. I pray that we all would respond that way. Sometimes, like I talked about in the past, we look at situations, circumstances, like we're, we're faced with some fear, some worry, some doubt. Mary says, I believe what you said. I can, I can see it in scripture. I know that everything you're saying is true. 
if, if this is what it's supposed to be, then let it be the way that it's supposed to be. So as I close, um, before I pray, just remember that with God, nothing shall be impossible. Um, we have the indwelling power of God with us each and every day. So we can overcome anything that we face. We pray that God would use us for however he see fit. He may ask you to go somewhere you don't want to go. He may ask you to speak to someone you don't want to speak to. He may ask you to do something that you just, it's not popular. I, I know that experience. Um, but God is good because he will take care of you. He will keep you. He will reward you. If you could bow with me for prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come just thanking you for this time of worship and study. Thanking you for just loving us and bestowing your grace on each and every one of us. Not that we deserved it, but because you had a, a plan for us. You had a plan for our lives. You see what we can't see and you know what we just have no way of understanding or comprehending. So we just thank you, God, for your plan and your purpose um, and your word. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.